0: into it because we got a lot of material to cover today and we are only only got four classes left so we need to go ahead and get into this class. I am not going to be able to take uh, probably comments today. I'm uh, sorry about that uh, but we're gonna have to get into this because I need to make sure I cover this material and I got about 16 pages of stuff to go through with you so we need to go ahead and jump into it. Uh, I really appreciate the great job that Rick did uh, teaching over the last couple of classes. thought he did a really good job talking with us about the, uh, the majority, or at least a big bulk, of Matthew chapter 6, talking about spiritual focus the need to store up treasures in heaven and the need to uh, conquer worry and anxiety through through trusting in Jesus Christ. We are now in the final stretch, the final stretch of this class. We're at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, that's going to be in lesson 16 in your book. We're going to cover Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6 today. Uh, these passages we're going to look at are Some of the most misunderstood and abused passages, probably in all the Bible. Verse 1 is especially misunderstood and abused. So we want to look at that, we want to look at that very carefully today. Uh, I am going to ask Brian. Brian, could you lead us please in a short prayer as we get started this morning, please. Heavenly Father we are truly grateful to be here this morning and worship your word and study another portion from it. We ask that you be with Sean as he proclaims your word unto us that we may open our hearts. We ask that you be with all the teachers and all the learners. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. So, are you in Matthew chapter 7? Let's start with verse number 1. In verse 1, the Bible says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look? Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye? but Do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Well, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, and behold, the log, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see clearly and take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And so we go back to our main message for this particular quarter, and that message is don't be like, don't be like them. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't practice on righteousness like they practice. Make sure your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. That's the main thing that Jesus is trying to emphasize in the greatest sermon that we can read about in the Bible. Above anything else, Jesus is trying to get us to understand the need to go beyond the corrupt righteousness, if I can use that way, of the Pharisees. These were corrupt men. That's the point. These were corrupt religious leaders. Now, they looked the part. They looked the part on the outside. They fooled a lot of people. They wore their phylacteries. They knew Scripture. Nobody knew the Scripture better than them. They looked like holy men, but God knew their what? He knew their hearts. He knows all people's hearts. Their hearts were not with God. Their hearts were far from God. They did not have hearts for God. Now this could be seen in a variety of different ways that we've seen so far in this sermon. Their corruptness could be seen in how they taught error. They taught things wrong. We give them too much credit when we call them so conservative. Being conservative means sticking with the scripture. That's That's what it means to be conservative. And they were not that. They taught error concerning God's standard in people's lives. That's chapter 5, 21 through 46. Their corruptness can also be seen in how they did religious things to be seen by men. That's verses 1 through 18 uh, of chapter 6. It can even be seen in their love for money. These men love money. And I think Jesus is taking a shot at them in verse 24 when he says, You can't serve two masters. You can't do it. You can't serve God in money. These men were lovers of money. Jesus makes that point also in Luke the 16th chapter. And that's really the point of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, or the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The scribes and the Pharisees promoted a standard of righteousness that did not please God. And so what Jesus is going to do now right here, and really what he's already been doing, going back to chapter 6, is he's going to say, okay, I've told you what not to do. Now let me tell you what to do. I've told you what bad religion looks like. I've told you what bad righteousness looks like. Now let me tell you about the righteousness that pleases God. Let me tell you about the right standard." To live by in your life. This is the standard that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. you got to store up treasures in heaven. That's what Rick taught us. you, you got to store up treasures in heaven. you got to have a heart that's fixed on heaven. And, and it's fixed on God. Doing that, if your heart is fixed on God, if it's fixed on heaven, if you're storing up treasures in heaven, that's going to help you in your life. Particularly, Jesus says, that's going to help you overcome anxiety. And that's going to help you overcome worry, getting bogged down with the problems of this life. It's going to motivate you to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This kind of righteousness, this righteousness of seeking God and His will first and trusting Him, will also help you avoid judging people wrongly or being involved in hypocritical judging. And that's what Jesus is talking about in verses 1 through 6. How many of you have, and raise your hand if you ever heard someone quote verse 1 before in your life. When they, do not judge. You ever heard someone I'm say that? that? Don't judge. Thank everybody. <laughs> Don't judge. Now, just real quick. Why is this verse, because I think we will agree that this is probably one of the top three verses quoted in our, in our society. Most people do not know anything about the Bible. But they seem to be able to quote this verse. So why do people quote this verse so much? Why do people, why are people so fast to quote, do not judge? Yes, ma'am. I think it allows tolerance to, for them. To promote tolerance. Yep. To promote tolerance or, or hey, you can't tell me what to do. I should be able to do whatever I want to do and you got to accept that. That's a great answer. Anyone else? Got, if anybody else is going to ask that, yes, ma'am, John to justify their own sinful behavior. <laughs> yeah, that goes right together. Tolerance, justify bad behavior. I believe this verse is quoted so much because what people are, are trying to say it means, is they're trying to say it means that you can't talk bad about decisions they make in their life. Sean, you can't make any, yes? You know what you hear a lot of people say now is only, only God can judge me. Only, oh, that's the they turn it around and say, Only God can judge me. Only God. and you know what? That's true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but we need to talk about yes. what that means. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how they're using That's that. That's exactly right. Yes, Tony. Now, um, I don't want to get 50 comments here this morning. Y'all. I just want it real quick. Yes. So or another yes. one similar to what she said. A lot of them say, We're all God's children. You know, He loves us regardless of what what we do. Yeah. So the point of this statement is to say and to go with what you said too, Nicole, because it's really the same statement people use It's to say you can't talk bad about decisions they make. It's to say you can't, you can't make any kind of moral judgments. At all. At all. You can't make any kind of moral judgments as a Christian. Now, a good question for us to, for us to think about, it. I don't want anyone to answer this, I just want you to think about it, is does anybody really believe that, even the people who say that? Well, no. Nobody believes that. Here's an example. Take an atheist or an agnostic or whoever. They come into, the woman comes into her home and she sees her husband in the bed with another woman. And she says, what are you doing? You're, you're having an affair. You're cheating on me. And her husband says, you, you can't judge me? What are you talking about? You can't. How is she gonna take that? Is She gonna be okay with that? She was like, "Oh yeah, you're right. I can't judge you, even though you're, you're totally naked right now with this woman. I can't judge you. You're right." Is she going Is that okay? No. She just said he cheated on her. She saw him. She knows that's called, it's called a moral judgment. Nobody believes this. Nobody believes this. Not even the people who say this believe this. Is anybody going to say Hitler wasn't a bad person? (laughs) What if Hitler had killed all those, after killing all those Jews? You can't judge me. Does anybody, is anybody going to accept that? Nobody believes this. So Matthew 7 verse 1, let's be clear. Let's be very clear. This is one of the most abused verses in the Bible. And the reason why it is abused, and this goes to a question in your book, is because of a failure to keep the verse in its context. See, when you take verse out of context, you can make them mean whatever you want them to mean. But this verse has a context. And we need to consider the context. Contrary to what our society believes, this verse is not saying that it is wrong to make moral judgments. I want to be clear. This verse is not saying that it is wrong for a Christian to call out wicked and sinful behavior after they've been educated by the Word of God. It is not saying to say something is wrong where God has said it is wrong in His Word. Jesus did that. Jesus called out sinful behavior. Jesus looked at the things people did that was wrong and said it is wrong. In fact, not only did Jesus do that, but... His followers in the Bible did it also. So this is not condemning Christians or saying Christians can't make moral judgments. What Jesus is talking about here in the context is a certain kind of judgment, and that is hypocritical judging. This text condemns hypocritical judging. Hypocritical judging. Particularly in this context hypocritical judging against your brothers and sisters. Did you notice how many times Jesus says your brother there? He's getting us now. He's done with the Pharisees at this point. He's getting us now. He's talking to his people. And so in verse number 3, why do you look at the speck that is in your, what? Your brother's eye. Your brother's eye. And, but you don't notice the law, of in your own eye. The term for log here, okay, mine has log here. You may have a different translation, but the term here is interesting. It's more like the term for rafter or beam. It is actually a term that Josephus used in his writings to describe something like a battering ram, a battering ram that was used by by the Roman army. This is one of the few times in the gospel, and I think you need to appreciate this with me, that Jesus is using some humor in his teaching. He's actually being funny here. People wonder, does Jesus have a sense of humor? This is a text that shows he did. If you really understand what he's saying. Picture what he's saying here. Picture that in your mind. A rafter, a beam coming out of somebody's eye. Doesn't, isn't that funny? It's supposed to be. He's using humor here. He's using a ridiculous example to teach something. It would be kind of like saying... And our, if he was with us today, picture somebody with a telephone pole coming out their eye. But they're, and they're trying to tell you how to put your contact lens in. Do you want to listen to that guy? Hey, put your contact lens in like this. And he's got a big old telephone pole coming out his eye. Can he help anybody put a contact lens in? What does he need to do first? Get that telephone pole out your eye. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's using a ridiculous example to make the people laugh and make them see how, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> this is an example of him using humor. He's being funny here. He's he's doing something to show how ridiculous it is to point out fault in other people's life when you've got bigger problems in your own life. That's the point he's making. Yes, sir, really. I was going to say, that, you know, the Christian community is not perfect. And I think Jesus anticipated that it was not going to be so. And I, I think that out there in that verse as well absolutely, I think that's exactly right, Jesus is saying to Christians here like you're saying, brothers sisters, disciples and I think we need to listen to this carefully, before trying to help other people out and point out fault in other people's life, because we don't have a problem with that that's one of the problems You that's that's what, you know, there's a lot of things lacking like in the church Finding people who are quick to point out faults in others is not one of them. We don't lack that in the church. And Jesus is saying here: before trying to help other people with their sins, you know what you need to do first? Address your own. Address your own sin. Address your own sin. In verse number, in verse number five or verse four, I'm sorry. How can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck, a, a little speck, out of somebody's eye, a little speck"? but you got a big old battering ram coming out of your eye. But I mean, think about that. I, mean, I can't help but laugh when I when I read what Jesus is talking about here.
1: you got a log that's in your own eye.
0: He calls that person a what? That, it's the famous or infamous H-word. A hypocrite. You take the log out of your own eye. Get that battering ram out of your eye. Get that telephone pole out of your eye. And then you'll be clearly be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus says this kind of lifestyle where I'm going around saying you need to do this and you need to clean your life up and you need to be better and I'm doing that stuff myself, that's the life of a hypocrite. Who else did he call hypocrites in the Bible? You want to be a Pharisee? See, he's getting us now. This lifestyle is phony. It's a fake lifestyle. Jesus says that before pointing a finger at others, examine yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror first. Make sure you're living right. Now, here's another thing. Once you make sure your life is right, once you make sure you got that rafter out of your eye, or that log out of your own eye, then what can you do? What does he say? Then you can, does he say, okay, once you clean up your own life, don't worry about that speck in your brother's eye. Don't ever worry about that speck. Leave his speck alone. Does Jesus say that? So he says, once you take care of yourself, then what can you do? What does he say in the text? Then you'll be able to... Now you take care of his problem. You help him with his problem. Jesus here is saying clean your own house up first and if you do that, then you can see clearly, spiritually well, spiritually uh, clearer to help your brother. Jesus don't say leave your brother alone. Jesus says help him after you help yourself first. That's what he says here. So, notice how Jesus doesn't say <clears throat> it's wrong to notice the speck. Does he say it's wrong to notice the speck? not wrong to notice and the speck. What's wrong is not living by the same standard you're judging somebody by. That's what's wrong. Now, Don, you, you're chomping at the bits here. Just go right ahead. <laughs> <in. laughs> well, there, you, you mentioned the the humor in this. There is a beauty in this language that begins back with the Pharisees making up their rules. And uh, the idea of judging it can also be translated as determined or a determinator. Only God can de- determine what's right and wrong. But the Pharisees made up the rules. Now, an individual who is looking at his brother and is making up the rule that you shouldn't be that way is blinded By his own determinants and scale. So you get rid of what you think is wrong and take what God says is right and wrong. I think that's exactly right. And I wanna know I want to go with verse two with that too, Don. I think there's something else Jesus is is condemning here. I think Jesus is saying that it's wrong to not live by the same standard you're judging somebody by. this And this is further compounded with, and I want y'all to hear me clearly on this, please. This problem is further compounded with an ungodly fault-finding attitude. You ever met someone like that before? You ever been that person before? All you do is just looking for faults. It was other people. Just watching around. Oh, they need to do this better. They need to do that better. Oh, look at them over there. All that preacher's preaching that sermon for them. They need to hear that. That's a fault-finding attitude. Always being critical of other people. Jesus says in verse 2, By the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure, by your standard of measure, it's going to be measured back to you. In other words, if you're nitpicking everybody, if you're walking around in your life nitpicking everybody, and trying to find faults in everybody, guess who can be the top fault-finder there is? And guess, and if he did, if he was that way, would any of us make it to heaven? See, Jesus says, if you walk around like that, always trying to find faults in people, God gonna bring it right back at you, right back at your doorstep, and you're not gonna make it. You know what people need? Above, way above, looking for the problems with them and trying to nitpick them. You know what people need above anything? Jesus already told us in Matthew five. Matthew chapter 5, what did Jesus tell us in verse number 7? What do people need above anything else? Matthew 5, 7. Mercy. You need mercy. You need mercy. If if you're merciful to people, what's what's going to be the blessing of that, Jesus said? You're going to get it. You're going to get mercy if you give mercy. But if you're walking around with a fault-finding attitude trying to point out everybody's flaws... Jesus said that med- that standard gonna be measured right back to you. Do you see that? It's sowing and reaping. It's sowing and reaping. That's what it is. So we gotta be careful of that. If we are a certain way with other people, God's gonna be that way with us. That's the point. So here's the point of this of these verses. It's very simple. You know, I'm a, I want to simplify things. I wanna I want us to see this in a simple way, but hopefully in a powerful way. We need to help people. Okay? We need to help each other go to heaven. Alright? None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. And there are going to be times when you need to help me. And there are going to be times when I need to help you. When I may notice some sin you're doing, and you notice some sin I'm doing, but before we do that, we need to make sure we're not practicing that same sin. Or we're not living a life of sin. I don't need to be coming to you saying, well, hey... You know, you got this problem with drinking. You need to give that up. And I'm gulping down a six pack every day. You understand that? I don't need to be saying, "Well, you need to dress more. You need to dress more modestly." And I'm the one always showing skin. You get that? I don't need to be coming to you saying, "Well, you need to clean up your speech." And every day I'm cursing out my spouse. That's what Jesus condemned here. Do you see that? Jesus says, "Don't hypocritically judge somebody." Don't tell other people to do things and you're not living by that same standard. Clean up your own life. Make sure you got the log out of your own eye. And once you do that, then go help your brother. Go help him. Go help. Now, how can you help somebody or how can you notice a speck if you don't do some what? Judging. You got to do some judging. But make sure before trying to help people live by a standard or God's standard, we're living by it first. Does that make sense? This is God. We're talking about God's standard here. Live by God's standard first and then help other people when you see them deviate from that standard. That's the point. Now, I need to say something about verse 6. Because verse 6 is interesting. While verses 1 through 5 deal with judgments against brothers. Okay? We're all brothers and sisters. So verses 1 through 5 deals with judgments made against brothers. Verse 6 deals with judgments made made against the world. Talking about the world now. Now, listen carefully to me because I think this actually goes with Stan's lesson. I think this ties with it a little bit. We need to make sure we make wise judgments when dealing with the world. We need to avoid giving that which is holy to the dogs. Someone tell me, what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, let me let me simplify that more. I need to simplify that question better. What is that which is holy here? What do you think? Don't give that which is holy. Let's talk about what's holy, because he's talking to us, disciples. We need to make sure we don't give that which is holy holy to dogs. So, what is the holy? Definitely. I think the kingdom. So you say the kingdom. Yeah. What else? Someone else, give me a thought. God's word. Okay, I think Rick. I think Rick. And I think both of those can go together. Because how do you get the kingdom? (laughs) How do you you give someone the kingdom? How do you give someone God's rule in their hearts? You've got to give them the word. Often in the Bible, God's word is called holy. In fact, Jesus even in the Bible called God's word a pearl. And God's word is is critical to to giving people the kingdom of God. If I'm gonna give you the kingdom of God, okay, there's only one way I can give it to you. There's no other way. I can't do some magic whatever on you and, and give it to you. There's only one way Don can give someone the kingdom of God. There's only one way I can give somebody the kingdom of God. There's only one way Janice can give somebody the kingdom of God. We gotta give them the word. That's the only tool we got, right? So we gotta be careful with that. Now, who are the dogs? Now, before you, when you think of dog, you think of that little cuddly little, uh, which I I can't stand those things, but that's another story. (laughs) Janice and I don't like animals. We don't like dogs, we don't like cats we don't do, we definitely don't like them in the house. And that's just our thing. You may be different. You may like a little furball, a little cuddly thing, shedding hair, everywhere. that's you. <laughs> uh, and that's fine. I'm not judging you. <laughs> okay? Sure. I, really? That's fine. I, that's fine. It's just, that's not how I was raised. I was raised different. That's all I'm saying. Um, but, mostly, when we look at dogs today, they're domestic. we look at them as domesticated animals. Right? They're cute and they're they, they relieve stress, and we pet them, and they sit in our lap, and they're just our best friend, and that's fine. That is fine, okay? I'm being serious. But you know how they were looked upon in the first century? Not like you look at them today. Dirty. In the first dirty. century, they were dirty, that's stinky, stinking, frightening animals. People were afraid of them. They roamed the streets, and they were disgusting, and most of them had diseases. They were not looked like looked upon like. You know, like you look at your dog, you go walk your dog at night, and it's your best friend, sleeps in the bed with you. That's not how they did it in the first century, so I'm just telling you. Like a rabbit, huh? They, they, were, they were like, like, just rodents, kind of. Looked look like, stray, like, like, have a rat. They like Ravis. stray dogs. Like stray dogs. They look like stray dogs, like dog. that's exactly. Like you would look at a stray dog. That's how they were looked upon, upon among the Jews. In fact, Paul, often in his letters, would use the language dogs, and, and it's always negative. You know, Peter talks about a dog eating his uh, own vomit. Dogs are always looked upon as negative in the Bible. Always. They're looked upon as negative here. Mm -hmm. And if you want something worse than a dog to a Jew, it's the the pig. Because the Jews, they want nothing to do with pigs. They even want to be around pigs, touch pigs, eat pigs. That was against their religion. (laughs) so, So these are two disgusting animals to Jews Jesus is talking about. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't give... Don't cast your pearls among the, the pigs. Let me tell you what this is not talking about. Now there's some, and Don, you may be familiar with this, sir, and, and, and the elders may be familiar with this. Um, there was a time, and there even, may even still be, when some brethren thought this was talking about be careful who you give the Lord's Supper to. Mm-hmm. They were saying that this is talking about when we're in the assembly and, and we pass out the Lord's Supper, don't give it to non-Christians. That was That's a view. Now how in the world are we supposed to do that? And is that our responsibility to do that? No. To say, oh, you're not a Christian, you can't take it. No. You've got to judge each individual. Exactly. I mean, how do we know who the visitor is? Who, I mean, come on. So, so, Don, you may have heard that view before. I just found out about it recently. And this verse is not talking about that. It has nothing to do with the context. It's not talking about the Lord's Supper at all. This is not talking about, you know, judge who can take the Lord's Supper and who can't. Instead, this is talking about not forcing people to obey the gospel. Don't force, pe- don't force the kingdom of God on people. Be wise in who you share the gospel with. Mm-hmm. Christianity is not like Islam. What is Islam about when you look at like, how they convert? How do they do it? Force. Man, they kill you. Yeah. If you and in the family you leave that, you're dead. That's how Islam is. Islam is about milit- being militant and it's about violence. Forcing people to obey that religion. That's not how Christianity is. Christianity is about sharing information with people and giving them a choice. You decide what you want to do, and I'm gonna love you anyway. You see, I'm gonna treat you good anyway.
1: This this
0: passage is about don't waste your time with people who clearly don't want the truth. Now let me be let me be let me clarify that a little bit. You sit down with somebody, okay? You share with them the gospel. At some point, you got to make a judgment as to whether or not this is worthy of your time. I'm gonna tell you what D. Bowman did one time. I, you know D. Bowman, right? Great gospel preacher. He passed away now. So D. Bowman we went to this, this this person's house one time. This family, uh, this family evidently had a family member who wasn't a Christian, and they were gonna make him obey. So they ganged up on like 15 of them or whatever. They called D Bowman over there. Come on over here, D. And they're just trying to just, you know, teach him the gospel and force it down his throat. And D's watching all of this. And after a while, he stops everything. He tells this guy, Do you even want to obey this? Are you even interested in this? The guy said, No. D said, I'm going home. I'm going home. This is a waste of time. And that's hard for us to accept because we want the people we love to obey so bad, but we can't force it. Only God can change hearts. I had this lady calling me recently here, or not too far from, well, she's far away, but she's got somebody who lives not far from me. And she's like, I, I, you know, I found out about you uh, from another preacher and I got a cousin that I want that's about to die soon. And he needs to obey the gospel. And I said, okay, well, give me his number. I'll call him. So I called him, and I'm talking with the guy, and I say, "Look, if you want me to come by at any time and study with you, I'll be more than happy to." Oh, I just don't want business right now. And I was like, "Okay." So I tell her about it. She doesn't like the answer. Well, you need to, you need to just try to go over there. I was like, "No, I'm not doing that." If he wants to hear the truth, he can call me. So she's like, "Well, that makes sense." So she texts me back two days ago and says, "I talked to him, and he's going to text you soon." That was like a, two months ago told her, I'm not going to force somebody to obey the gospel, and I'm not going to waste my time with somebody who don't want the gospel because my time needs to be with people who do want the gospel. My job as a Christian is not to force people to obey. My job is to plant the seed, and if I recognize, and if I make a judgment, if I make a judgment that you don't want this, guess where Sean is going? He's going somewhere else. I'll judge you as a dog now. You the pig. You see how you can only see how recognize somebody as a dog or a pig. You gotta do a what? Gotta make a judgment. Gotta make a judgment. That shows you right. That verse right there shows you that this is not some blanket statement saying you can't judge anything. Jesus gonna contradict himself five verses later. Do y'all see that? Gotta make judgments. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, sir. You
1: got it. Oh, you said okay. Done. Go ahead, sir.
0: Oh, what did Jesus tell the twelve and the seventy? If they accept you, stay with them and teach. If they don't accept it, shake
1: it Take off. the dust off and go. So here's
0: my last thing I want to say to y'all, just real quick. If you have parents, I had I had a grandfather who was this way. Not Christians, friends, spouses, kids. Use wise judgment. Share the gospel with them, but at some point you're going to have to make a judgment as to whether or not you're wasting your time. Okay, there are people who really do want the truth. And Jesus says, don't waste your time with people who don't want it. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Yes, ma'am, John. But you can still keep praying for it. Yes, and that's something that's something that's never a waste of time. Or an example. Because that's something, you we always pray for that. In this context, Jesus is not saying don't pray about it. Jesus is saying, be careful where you take that which is holy. Because you could be given to somebody who's never going to obey, don't want to obey, and you can't make them obey, and you could sit there 24 hours straight studying with them, and they're going to say, I don't want this, leave me alone. that's why you have to look for open doors and be ready to run through it. Go for the-